as Catherine said, we're starting a new series called it's, uh, The Blessed Life. And I'm really excited about this series. In fact, this is a powerful series. I remember uh, when my pastor gave this series years ago. It was so, uh, so powerful, so impactful. Uh, now, I've never, never taught this series here at Westridge before, but uh, you know that we've sown, obviously, the truths and the scriptures and God's heart uh, through the years. Uh, but this is really, really an exciting series, and it's going to challenge every single one of us. I believe that we'll all walk out of this series challenged. We're all at different places with the Lord. We all, all have different measures of blessing that God's blessed us with. But uh, in all things, uh, really, this, this series is about the blessed life. You know, I'm not, uh, this isn't a series I'm making up. In fact, Jesus said, I've come to give you life to the fullest or abundant life or a blessed life. And so this is really, Jesus really wants to uh, invest a lot of these scriptures and principles and truths into every single one of us. And so I, I just would ask you to open your heart. You know, a lot of times when we talk about the blessed life or we talk about uh, principles of sowing and reaping or giving, everyone thinks about money. And money is an aspect uh, of our lives. It's, it's something that God actually looks at and, and looks at how we use our money and how we manage it. So that's an important piece. But uh, if you're only looking at it through that lens, uh, you may not hear. Uh, the, the truth and the scriptures that God's given to you, although that is a piece. I think we, we all need to look at this with God, and he, but really this, this first message, let me just kind of give you the, uh, the framework of the whole series. The title of this message is, It's All About the Heart. It's all about the heart. And so really, this is what God wants us to see. All of us met the Lord, and all of us became new creatures. And part of that new creation that God does is we begin to see his heart, and he begins to change us. He begins to put his heart in us. And that's really what this series is all about. The blessed life is, it's about our life. It's not just about a wallet or a pocketbook. This is about our life, how God can bless us in every aspect of every, every place of our life. And that's really what I want you to see today. And to do that, I want to just frame it out of uh, Deuteronomy 15, Matthew 7, and Luke 6. But we're going to start in Matthew 7 first. I'm going to have you memorize some scripture with me real quickly. All right, are you okay with that? How many of you are not good with memorizing? You will be today. All right, here you go. That's part of the blessed life. We're gonna, we're, you're going to remember some scripture. Matthew chapter 7, uh, verse 1 says this, Judge not, judge not that, you may, that you be not judged. So let's repeat that. Judge not that you may not be judged. Pretty easy, right? Can we do that? Judge not so you may not be judged. That's the first scripture I want you to remember. The next one uh, you won't find uh, in Matthew, but you'll find it in Luke, but it's the parallel passage. And so the next one is, uh, now repeat this with me. Say, for the same measure measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. So judge not, and you'll not be judged. For the measure that you use, it'll be used back to you. All right, so that, those are the two scriptures I want you to remember. So really, uh, these parallel passages are framing uh, a heartbeat. It's really God's heart and what he's teaching us. So let's read Luke chapter 6, and you're going to see this is the parallel passage. In fact, verse 37 says, judge not, and you shall not be judged. Is that what we read in Matthew as well? So we agree. This is the same principle. It's the same passage. It's the same, uh, same moment that God's talking about. But it goes on to say, condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. That's the second part that we memorize. So judge not, and you will not be judged. And for the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Uh, so I want you to look at this. Now, this scripture, uh, uh, it can be taken out of context a lot of times. In fact, many times that you've heard verse 37, it's been used uh, for money. They say, give, 
good measure, pressed, right? Usually this is used out of context. It's, it's used, now the principle sowing and reaping is all through the Bible. That's not what I'm talking about. But actually the context of this passage, if you read all Luke chapter six, is talking about judging and condemning and forgiving. In fact, earlier in chapter six, if you, uh, if you just look back in your Bibles or if you read it later, it's talking about uh, in the face of your enemies that you show mercy just as the Father has shown you mercy. And it goes on to say, judge not that you may not be judged. Condemn not so you may not be condemned. Pressed down, shaken together, overflowing. Let's look at it that way, overflowing. And the same measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. So think about it this way. In our world, do we judge? Do a lot of people judge? Absolutely. All right, so this is the, this is the principle of sowing and reaping. So I understand this can be taken out of context and used to talk about money, but really it's talking about your heart and loving people and showing mercy as God shows mercy, forgiving as God's forgiven you, giving grace as God's given you grace. That's really the context of this passage. And, and it's saying, judge not and you won't be judged. So how many of you like being judged? None of us do. But it's, it's a common pattern in our, in our world today, isn't it? A lot of people judge. They like to put labels. They like to, you're this or you're that. Judging is a part. Now, if we use the same principle of sowing and reaping, if you judge the same measure, you will be judged back. If you condemn the same measure, you can be condemned back. And so the principle of sowing and reaping works for the heart of God, or if we decide to go away from God and we want to follow a false lie, then the, but the same principle of sowing and reaping applies. A, a, good, a good illustration would be this. How many of you guys have been in a store and, uh, you know, a, a kid's being a, a little bit, he's being a kid, but the kid is just shouting through the store, screaming through the store. And then not far from behind is the mom yelling at the kid, Joey, get back over here! And the mom looks at you and goes, I don't know why this kid is always yelling and screaming and running through the store! yell, and it'll be measured back to you, right? So how many parents can attest to that, right? If yelling is your motive or anger is your motive, guess what you're going to get measured back to you? Yelling and anger, the principle of sowing and reaping. Isn't it funny if, uh, and, and this isn't, maybe, maybe you're struggling with that right now. Look, this isn't any judgment to you. It's just to help you. This is God's heart. Look, if we can love if we love people and we honestly put, a, uh, put this as a value in our life and we love people, guess what's going to be measured back to you? Love. If we're generous towards people, and it doesn't have to be always financially, but finances is a part of that, maybe the gener generosity is, you know, I just stopped and prayed for somebody. I cared for them. I loved them. I showed them grace and mercy. I encouraged them. I lift them up when they were down. Look, in the same measure, that will be given back to you. This is what God's talking about. This is what this verse is all about. The blessed life is, is, is not just siloed into God only blesses you here or here or here. Look, God gives you abundant life in all areas. The, Holy, the gifts of the Holy Spirit or the, the fruits of the Holy Spirit are love and joy and patience and peace and kindness and gentleness and goodness and self-control. And if you use that, uh, if you begin to receive God's heart and use that for other people, guess what? That's going to be sowed and reaped back to you. Goodness and joy. And so all of us want that in our lives, don't we? In fact, the greatest commandment God ever gave us, everything, the law and the prophets, everything that this, if we could talk about what a blessed life would be, everything hangs on this two things. Love God with all your heart 
mind, soul, tender translation, strength. But in every aspect, we worship and love and give our devotion and our, we follow God, which basically means we begin to receive his heart. And when we receive his heart, guess who changes? We do, right? So the blessing of this is when we receive God's heart, it begins to change us. And when we begin to change, guess what? As we love ourselves, love God with all your soul, strength, and mind, and love others as you love yourself. You see, God begins to give you his heart, and you begin to change. You learn how to love. You learn how to forgive. And this, this great thing happens, and this is where I love this scripture, because here's the context of it. Think about this. Give forgiveness. Give mercy. Give grace. Give love. Give encouragement. Yes, give financially even. Whatever God's telling you to do, give, and it will be measured back to you, pressed down, shaken, and running over will be put, near to, be put into your life or your bosom. Look, that's the context of a blessed life. In every area, we give. Look, giving isn't just a, isn't just a financial strategy. You can't talk about giving without talking about giving grace and giving love and giving joy and giving goodness and giving self-control and giving kindness. That's all giving. In fact, God so loved the world that he did he give you a paycheck? Yes, he gave you a paycheck, but he gave you his son. The greatest inheritance and gift and value and treasure from heaven. God said, I'm giving you Jesus. And Jesus gave his life, every part of him. He literally sacrificed himself on the cross to pay your debt and my debt. But God is a giving God. And when we talk about the blessed life, this is what he's trying to teach us is about our heart. Where's our heart? And so as we go through this series, look, God's going to challenge every one of us. It doesn't matter if this is day one in your faith or you've been following Jesus for 20 years. We're going to keep growing and understanding the heart of God in every area. That's what the abundant and blessed life Jesus talked about is. Every time we choose God and we receive his heart, it's a blessing to us. The eternity we spend with Jesus will be a blessing to every single one of us if we follow God and we give our life to Jesus. So today I want to talk about really two things. I want to talk about how we can overcome a couple of things and then I want to talk about how we can develop two things when it comes to our heart. First, overcoming a selfish heart. How many of you have a selfish heart? If you're not raising your hand, you're selfish. We all have a selfish heart. All of us do. We were born selfish. Did you know that? We were born selfish. All of us were. But when you receive Jesus and you get saved, is Jesus selfish? Absolutely not. In fact, he's selfless. He gave everything selfless for us. When you get saved, you receive, you're a new creation, you begin to see, receive his heart, which is a generous heart. But all of us, when we were born, all of us before Christ, we were all selfish. I mean, think about it. Look back at your life. Maybe it was just yesterday. Maybe it's been a while since you came to God. But if you think about your old self, all of us were selfish. It was all about us in some way or form. And when we met Jesus, we began to see things different. Everything God says is so opposite, or it seems opposite. I love what Josh said. Look, the, the way of following God is narrow, 
It's different than the world. The world lives a way that's wide. Look, judge, condemn, make fun of, you know, point them out, solo them out, squash them, squander them, make it all about you. Make sure that you're conquering the world for your benefit. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. The narrow path says you love God with everything that you have. And you love others as you love yourself. In other words, we die to ourselves. And we receive the heart of God. And we give what we're freely receiving to others. That's what the blessed life is all about. So we have to overcome a selfish heart. Deuteronomy 15.9. Now I'm going to share out of Deuteronomy 15. So you could just hang there for a little bit. We'll go back to Luke 6 a little bit later. So... If you want to put something in Luke 6, you can do that. But we'll be in Deuteronomy 15 for most of the message. Now, this is a, a passage in Scripture that's talking about uh, giving of resources and thanks to people. But I want you to see how often God talks about your heart. Because it's not about what he's doing. It's not even about how he's doing it. God really solos in about your heart and where your heart is. And so Deuteronomy 15.9 says this. Now, uh, I'll explain the context of this passage in a second. But... Here's what verse 9 says. Beware, lest there be a wicked thought, everyone say, in your heart. Saying the seventh year, the year of release is at hand, and your eye being evil against your poor brother, and you give him nothing, and he cries out to the Lord against you, and it becomes sin among you. How many of you know what the year of release is? Anybody ever studied that before? A few of you? How many of you have no idea what I'm talking about? You will after this, and it will be a huge blessing. In fact, uh, you would say, Man, I want to live that way, all right? So it's called the year of Jubilee, is what it's known as, the year of Jubilee. The seventh year is the year of release. And in Jewish times, in Jewish customs, in fact, uh, even today, a lot of Jews follow this principle, is if you loan something to somebody, if you loan debt or you give them something, and if they don't pay it back on the seventh year, you release them. You release them from the debt. And the reason why God did this is because, so you don't hold anything against somebody. You release them of their debt and you don't hold that debt against them, or you don't hold it over their head. Now, is that anything that we're familiar with today? No, for 30 years, that's hung over your head, isn't it? There's never a release, is there? How many of you would love a 70-year release program in America? <laughs> Woo, praise God, that would be awesome, wouldn't it? That'd be Year of Jubilee, every seven years, you'd be celebrating that feast every seven years, wouldn't you? Now, this isn't to say that we'd be bad stewards and we get into debt of things that we can't pay for and we'd be ignorant in that way. That's not what this is saying. But really, this principle is about redemption. This principle is about, hey, look, I don't want anything to come between a brother and sister. So if there's anything there, if money gets in the way of your relationships, then just release them. Choose the relationship, not the the debt. Now, how many of us in here would say that we've been in a situation that you've lent something to somebody and you've held that over them and it's broken your relationships? Anybody? That's happened to a lot of us, right? You try to help somebody out, and you do it with strings attached. As long as you pay me back, we're good. But if you don't pay me back, I'm coming after you and your kids and whatever else I need to do. Like this is, that's, you know, overcoming a selfish heart. Let me, let me show you how we overcome this. First of all, the scripture says this. It says, selfish thoughts are wicked thoughts. God is not selfish in any way. Selfish thoughts are wicked thoughts. So if we're doing anything to get something, that's manipulation. And really that's selfishness because I'm only doing this so I get something. Look, God didn't ever teach us in the scriptures, you give so you get. But this is taught 
all through the churches. Look, we don't give to get something. We give so we continue to be a blessing. We're not, yes, there will be a reward and God will bless you and God will honor you, but that's not why you give. You give because you love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and strength. And if he tells you to give, you give. No strings attached, by the way. So I love this year of the Jubilee. Look, if everything breaks down and that person can't pay you back or he can't honor you or he can't do whatever, let it go. Let it go. Selfish thoughts are wicked thoughts. That's what the Lord teaches us. The second thing is his greed and selfishness are not proper motives of giving. We don't give out of greed or selfish motives. In other words, we don't give with strings attached. We don't give with an aspect of, I'm gonna do this, but only if you do this. And I know all of us are going to a money example, but let me just use another example for you. And maybe this will really help you because it's about our heart. It doesn't matter what principle you apply this to. It's all about our heart. So let's look at it this way. I'll forgive you if you, how many of you know that doesn't work? Forgiveness doesn't work that way. I'll only forgive you if you forgive me. Or I can't forgive them until they forgive me. It doesn't work that way. Jesus died while we were yet. He didn't wait for you to forgive. He forgave He released, he died, he paid the price while we were a mess. So that's the principle. Look, you don't base forgiveness on what other people do. Forgiveness is for your heart and my heart. Forgiveness is for you, it's not for the other person. Look, they may never forgive you, but you know what? I choose to forgive because my father forgave me. I choose to forgive because Jesus Christ died and forgave me. And I choose to let it go. I choose not to bring it up anymore. That's what forgiveness means. I don't, it doesn't mean that you forget. It doesn't mean that you don't forget what happened. It doesn't mean that you don't make wiser decisions or you put yourself in a different place. But here's what you don't do is you don't sit around the Christmas table with your family bringing up the same conversation for 20 years. How many of you know that happens in your ring, doesn't it? Look, if you forgive, you let it go. Year of release, you release it. You see, it works with every principle, but God says greed and selfishness are not the proper motives of giving. Second, he says, you know, think about this. You ever ask this question? Why did God create giving? Why did he create giving? Is it because he's a little short in heaven and he can't pay the bills? (laughs) Has there ever been a lack of lightning and a storm? The Lord just said, hey, I couldn't afford the lightning tonight. I was a little light on the thunder bill, so I just weakened it up. Look, God is, it's not, look, God owns it all. He made it all. It's all his. The cattle, the thousand hills, everything is his. In fact, he made everything, and then he made us out of the dirt that he made, except for the women. The men are made out of dirt. The women are made out of the rib. That's why they're much more precious and beautiful, right? <laughs> right? He made us out of it. And then he said, look, I want you to take care of it. I want you to have dominion over it, which means I made it all, but I'm using you to manage it, to take care of it. Where, where did it all go wrong? Where did we start saying, that's mine? That's mine. Lord, I own this postage stamp. No, it's not paid for, but it's still mine. No, it's actually his. And we all have a different measure. God has blessed us all with 
relationships, with things and resources, marriages and kids. But you know you let all those things go at one time. Your kids are going to move on. Your marriage will be with you on earth, but when we get to heaven, it's a different marriage. I don't know how it works. We know our spouse in heaven. I think we will, but I'm not sure how it all looks. I'm not smart enough to figure that out. There's no U-Hauls going to heaven. Thank you, Jesus, for that, because there'd be knickknacks and, and all kinds of stuff all over. <laughs> Pittsburgh bobbleheads and Steelers things. There'd be all kinds of stuff up there. But at the end of the day, it's all his. I believe God gave, gave, created giving so we could work out selfishness and greed. So one way we can overcome our selfishness, one way we can overcome our selfish hearts is, is to give. It helps us overcome our selfishness. It helps us overcome our greed. The second thing we need to overcome is a grieving heart. Overcoming a selfish heart and a grieving heart. A lot of us, when, we, when God tells us to do something, it's like he's ripping the heart right out of our chest. Maybe he's telling you to give towards something. Maybe he's telling you to financially give towards something that he's doing or he's telling you to give to somebody on the streets or your neighbor or your friend. Maybe God's saying, hey, stop and pray for them. God, I don't have time. God, I can't do that. I got to go here and I got here. I got a lot of stuff to do. Do you see my schedule, Lord? Trust me, you don't want to see his schedule. And he always has time for us. You know what, there's people in your life, there's relationships, there's, there's things all around you that God is saying, hey, I want you to see my heart. I want you to love them. I want you to pray for them. I want you to encourage them. I just want you to give them a hug and let, you know, let them know that you're there and I'm there. I just want you to take a second to say hello and let them know that they're noticed. Or maybe God's saying, hey, buy them lunch, buy them dinner. You know, uh, my wallet has a problem. And I bet you yours does too. My wallet hides on me. Jen will tell you, it's always missing somewhere. In fact, it's missing so much, they bought me one of those tile things. You know those tile things where it, you put it in your wallet so when you lose it, you can, it's like a GPS, you can find it. I'm telling you, it's not me. It just walks. It's got legs or something. So, you know, it could be a little bit awkward when you're going somewhere and you can't find your wallet or I forgot it at home or it's somewhere and I can't find it. Or, and, uh, you know, a lot of times I don't even carry cash. A lot of times I just don't carry cash at all. So when you're sitting there, and one time I was out and uh, somebody blessed me with a meal. Well, that's a great thing. And it's a, you know, but I had this grieving heart moment because I, I can't leave a tip. I got no cash. And so, you know, be ready if you're going out to lunch with me. You never know if that wallet's going to be walking. Or, and so, I, you know, it's not that I don't have the money. It just may be like, man, I, don't, I can't pay for anything. I don't have anything. So, you know, if, if one of you is going out to lunch, just, just be ready. And so, uh, anyway, so you just never know. Uh, but, oh, thank you, brother. 100 bucks. Who wants to go to lunch today? I got cash now. That's awesome. No, I planted that, just so you know. Uh, Justin gave this. Now, it wasn't grieving your heart to give this back to me, was it? No, maybe it was. I don't know. But, um, 
But why? Because it wasn't yours. Right? So this is how you overcome a grieving heart or a selfish heart. Know that it's not yours. This $100, even though I gave it to Justin, I planted it there, it's not mine. It's not his. Everything that I have is the Lord's, and I'm to manage it, and I'm to be a good steward of it. And someday I'll be, I'll be responsible for telling the Lord what I've done with all he's given to me, not just the money, but the relationships, the people, my kids, my marriage, all of those things. I'm going to go and I'm going to talk to you, and God's going to say, look, I gave you an abundant and blessed life. How'd you do? But one thing to recognize about a selfish and grieving heart is to understand whose it is. Because for whatever reason, we've taken what God's given to us and we said, no, that's mine, Lord. That's mine. And when the Lord says, well, actually, no, it's mine and I want you to give it, your selfish and grieving heart would say, no, I can't do that. I can't afford to do that. I just can't do that. I don't have the time to do that. I'm just really busy today. They won't forgive me, so I'm not going to forgive them. See, that's the law of sowing and reaping. If we'll begin to understand God's heart, and we'll begin to understand what he's called us to, then we can love. We can say, God, thank you for loving me. God, thank you that you saved me. God, thank you that you stopped and left heaven and came and died for my sins. Thank you that you took my place. That should have been me up there. But you came and died for me. Now, Lord, thank you that everything I have, my marriage, my kids, you ever read, if you ever read the Bible, maybe reading the Bible is new to you, but do you realize something? When you get married, you think you're the one that picked out your spouse. But the Bible says, it's the Lord that brought you together. And what he brought together, let no man separate. You think you made those kids, but the Lord says in the scriptures that he knew your kids before the foundations of the world. And he knew you, by the way, before the foundations of the world. He knew your kids' names before you named them. He knows their destiny before they even make entrance onto this earth. God is so faithful and good. Amen. Let me tell you about developing a, a generous heart because this is how God created us to be. And again, this is about your heart. When I say generosity, everybody thinks about money, but generosity is so much more than just money. It's about being a generous church. A church that prays for people, a, a church that stops and recognizes people, a church that gives forgiveness, a church that gives grace, a church that looks for those that are lost and de-churched and hurting, a church that's there for one another. If we're hurting, the whole body's hurting, but we're there to love each other and lift each other up. Look, it's so much more than what you think, but if you're only looking through the filter of, ah, oh, they just want my money, you're going to miss the whole blessed life that Jesus came to give. He says, I've come to give you an abundant life, and that's what he wants to give you. And so let's open our hearts and understand. So developing a generous heart, Deuteronomy 15, 14, look at this. You shall supply him liberally from your flock, from your threshing floor, and from your rind press for what the Lord your God has blessed you with. Do you hear it? God blessed you with the threshing floor, with the wine press, with everything that you have, and you shall give it to him. Now, you have no idea what a threshing press is, do you, or a threshing floor is, do you? We don't, unless you farm. Anybody farm here? You know what a threshing floor is. You know what our threshing floor is? Walmart, Target. That's our threshing floor because we don't, we don't do that threshing anymore. We don't go collect the wheat. 
You know, it was a different time back then, but here's what God is saying. Look, I gave you the land that you live on, speaking in Deuteronomy, because that's how, they're, that's how they measured their resources, how much land they had, cattle they had. Look, I gave it all to you, the threshing floor, the wine press, the cattle. Today, God's given you everything, your paycheck. How many of you get paid once a month? Bi-weekly. Twice a month. How many of you don't get paid at all? <laughs> awesome. It's all his. It's all his. God has blessed us all with different measures. Again, stuff, things, resources, relationships, even this church. This is his church. It's not ours. He's the head. I'm not the head. You realize that God the Father is a giver? He gave his son. He bankrupted heaven to give you Jesus. He gave you his greatest asset. If you could think about giving in an extraordinary way, the Father's given the most extraordinary gift ever. And he gave it for you and for me. Jesus gave everything, his life, his blood, his time. I mean, think about it. The God of heaven, Jesus didn't, wasn't born on Christmas Day. He's always existed. He just, he came to earth over 2,000 years ago, but he's always been from the beginning of time. But God the Father and the Son said, hey, I want to leave my kingdom and I'm going to go save my people. Pay for their sins. Pay for their debts. Jesus gave and sacrificed everything. How about the Holy Spirit? The Father and the Son had a conversation. Jesus said, I want to send my followers, my disciples, I want to send them the Spirit, Holy Spirit. And ever since Pentecost, every believer, every Christ follower has received, he gave the Spirit of God to every single one of us. And he lives inside of us. And guess what? Every single day, the Holy Spirit is giving to you and to me. He's giving his fruits, love, peace, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, but he's also giving gifts, supernatural gifts, gifts that you can't even understand, prophecy, healing, words of knowledge. He's always giving to us every day, even when we don't even understand or know, he gives it to us. Sometimes you're gonna be talking to somebody and they need something and the Holy Spirit knows, but you don't know, and he's gonna give it to you. And when he gives it to you, it's not for you, it's for them. Remember, love God with all your heart and God's gonna be in your heart and he's gonna give you the gifts that you need and you're to love others as you love yourself. So as God gives it to you, you give it away. And by the way, it's all free. Isn't that amazing? That the gifts of God are all free. Salvation, repentance, redemption, reconciliation, all the gifts of the Holy Spirit, peace, patience, joy, kindness, goodness, they're all free and all of us want them. But yet they're the most valuable gifts you can receive. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they're all givers. Watch this in Luke chapter 6, verse 30. Luke chapter 6, verse 30. Now this is the passage right before when we started talking about judge not and you'll be, not be judged. Condemn not, you will not be condemned. This is the passage right before that. It says, 
uh, starting in verse 30, give to everyone who asks of you. And from him who takes away your goods, don't ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. That's the golden rule. But if you love those who love you, what credit is it to you? For even sinners love who love them. And if you do good to those who good to you, what credit is it to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to, do, to receive much back. But love your enemies. Do good. Lend hoping for nothing in return. Your reward will be great and you'll be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the unthankful and the evil. Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father is also merciful to you. Then it goes on. Judge not, and you'll not be judged. Condemn not, you'll not be condemned. Forgive, and you'll be forgiven. Do, the, do you hear the heart of a generous God? Look, we're not to do what the world's doing. Look, even those that don't know Jesus understand that Loving someone is a good principle. They may not know what love is because they don't know Jesus, but they understand that they're to love someone that they're close to. But the very struggle that we have in this world today is how do we love others that seem like they're against us? And this is what Jesus is saying. Look, even with your enemies, with, even with those that hate me, look at this, look at Jesus' example. Those that hated him put him on the cross and he hung on the cross and what did he say? Lord, Forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Our God only knows generosity. He only knows how to love. He only knows how to forgive. He only knows how to be merciful. It doesn't matter if they like you or don't like you. You keep being and showing them the heart of God. You know, in the scripture it says, what leads people to repentance? What leads people to repentance? Kindness. Isn't that interesting? What leads people to repentance is by us being Christ to them. By showing the love of God to them. Showing joy. Showing kindness. Goodness. Taking time to pray for them. Saying, hey man, I know you wronged me, but I forgive you. And I'm not going to hold it against you. It's not a roadmap for them to walk all over you. But what it is is to say, look, I'm not going to hold things against you. I'm not going to make my heart angry. Remember, the same measure that you give, it will be given back to you. So if anger is, your, is what you're giving, you're going to get anger back. But the blessed life is all about, God, I want to give joy. I want to give love. I want to give kindness. I want to be, give goodness. God, if they need something, a, a shirt, a coat, $20, God, I want to, I'm going to be open to give that to them. But Lord, I'm going to listen to your heart. I'm going to listen to what you're telling me to do. God, you've been so generous to me in every way. And the fourth thing is, is developing a grateful heart. Deuteronomy 15, 15. Let me close with this passage. Deuteronomy 15, 15 says, You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this thing today. Now, I know you weren't a slave to Egypt, and I wasn't a slave to Egypt. He's talking about Israel way back when. But you know what God's saying? You were lost and I saved you. You were broken and hurting and I saved you. You were going the wrong way and I saved you. All of us were fall short of the glory of God, but in the midst of that, he saved us. 
Don't ever forget. One of the ways that you make a grateful heart is don't ever forget what Jesus has done for you. You know, for some of you, for Josh and Shane, today they can remember. Maybe for you, that was a long time ago, but do you remember? Do you remember God is, you've died yourself and now you've come back to new life? You realize this is Holy Week in a Jewish culture, right? Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, these are all coming up this week. This is a big week for them. All of those feasts, every feast that the Jews celebrate, you know what they did? They remembered what God did for them. That's why they hold these feasts. The year of Jubilee, they remember, I'm going to release because God's released me. I'm going to reconcile because God's reconciled with me. Passover, I remember when I was enslaved and God passed over me. He saved me, is what they're saying. And God saved you. One of the things that we need to do to have a grateful heart is remember what God's done for you. I'm going to have the team come forward and I'm going to close with this. But look, today, the keys to having a grateful heart, the keys for having a generous heart is knowing who you worship. The keys to a blessed life is having the heart of God inside of us and every aspect that we look to God. And today, I just want you to remember, I want you to think back and you know, maybe it was a long time ago, maybe it was just yesterday, it really doesn't matter, but you think back and say, Jesus, I remember the moment I met you. I remember the moment you chased after me and you found me and you got my attention. You know, in our, our selfishness, we think we found God, but really, God has spent eternity fighting for you, chasing for you. And it was that moment that you opened up your heart to him, that you received his salvation. But it wasn't by anything you did, right? Scripture says it wasn't by your works, or else it wouldn't be grace. Ephesians 2 says, you were saved by the grace of God, not by works. And so today, you can receive Jesus right now. If you're here today and you haven't received the Lord, but you know this is my time, you can do that right there in your seat. I can't save you. Only Jesus can save you. You just say, God, forgive me. I repent of my sins. And Lord, I receive your heart today. And today, I'm becoming new. I want to start seeing your heart every day. I am a follower of Christ, which means whatever you say, I'm following you, Lord. Whatever you say in your word, I'm listening to you. There's moments in the presence like this where you're just in worship or you're in his house that he's going to speak to you, but it's always going to align with the scripture and God is going to keep revealing his heart to you day after day after day. Even some of you have been following God for 20, 30, 40 years sitting here right now, but he's still revealing his heart to you every day. And so stand your feet. I just want you to take a moment with God. We're going to worship and I love this song because it really puts it in perspective, but think about when God saved you. That's what these feasts are all about. Remember what God's done for you. Let's pray this morning. Let's open our hearts. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to us? Jesus, thank you for the abundant life that you died to give us. Lord, without you, we're nothing. Without you, there's no salvation, redemption, forgiveness. Without you, there's no new life. But because of you, I'm changed. Because of you, we're changed. Because of you, 
We're now your church and your saints and your sons and your daughters. Because of you, I can learn how to love. Because of you, I can learn how to forgive. Because of you, I can learn what joy is. And so today I choose to remember when you saved me. And I'm thankful and I'm grateful, God. I remember what you did on the cross for me that day. And Jesus, we just want to take a moment to say thank you. Thank you for being faithful. Thank you for persevering. Thank you for taking the initiative. God, thank you for dying while I was yet a sinner. You came and shed your blood for me. And today I just want to, all of us in this room, just come with a grateful heart and exalt you, Jesus. Exalt your name. Your name is above every name. But more than that, God, you're my friend. You're my Lord. And we bless you and we love you. In Jesus' name, everyone said, let's worship together.